Welcome back, listeners, to this week of If I Only Knew. Now, this one's a tough one, guys. It's not as heavy as some, but it does link to our recent episodes to do with COVID and Afghanistan, and it's about Australian citizen. I'm again joined by the co-host with the most, Matt. Give us a wave and a smile, Matt. Cheers, Fred. Hello, Matt. Hello. I'm rocking Matt's lockdown hairstyle at the moment because we're in lockdown and just, just before I got my hair cut, I've been copying a lot of criticism for it. Guys, here's my dilemma at the moment. As a psychologist, the concept of ethics is something I swim through every day in my professional life. But I've been confronted by some stuff in the current zeitgeist that's really doing my head in. And given that I'm an old dinosaur, I've got to throw this challenge to the nimble mind of my (laughs) co-host to get a millennial take on things. So I want to set the scene for you, Matt. Australian citizens have rights. Would you agree? Certainly. And when we are overseas, despite the fact that we've got to you know, live by the laws of the land, we are still Australian citizens and we have embassies all over the world because we have a right to representation as Australian citizens and, and celebrate our freedoms wherever we are. Would you agree? That sounds about right. So here's the thing that's really getting to me, okay? We're currently in lockdown, but we're still getting people that are Australians coming back from overseas infected with COVID. They mm-hmm. go into lockdown and all the rest of it and over the last 18 months really getting to me is these people that all of a sudden want to press the button on their australian citizenship and make their problems our problems again right so i'll give an example two out of the news okay matt just bear with me i'm revved up matt i'm I'm, I'm excited barely contain myself i'm not excited i think it's frustration (laughs) so i see an article about a woman who lives in america she's lived in america for eight years she has an american husband she has two children because of COVID and the COVID situation over there she finds herself pregnant and a little worried now economically she's decided that she wants to come back to australia so that she can have her child quote unquote, in a New South Wales hospital. And when you dig a little further, it's because we have universal healthcare here. It's Medicare. The cost of having a child in Australia with the best healthcare in the world is virtually nothing, Hmm. okay? But it coincides with COVID. So she's now saying, I'm the victim here. Even though I had two kids in America and the, the healthcare system in America is adequate where they are and they don't have COVID, she wants to come back here and her inability to exercise that is somehow the Australian government's fault. Yeah. Okay. Now, that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is one that dovetails into our recent episode on Afghanistan. About two to three years ago, a man was alleged of participating in a crime in WA that is a murder. I'm not going to say his name because it's going to be before the courts, but you can Google it, okay? Mm -hmm. Allegedly, he acquires his brother's passport and travels fraudulently using his brother's passport to, of all places in the world, Afghanistan. Okay, where he lives for a period of time, about two years, evading the concept of extradition and a warrant for his arrest because he was arrested, he was charged, he was out on bail, he fled. Mm -hmm. The Taliban rolls into Afghanistan, he gets on the phone to his barrister and says, you've got to get me out of here. And his barrister has said publicly, whilst he has been accused of a crime, he is an Australian citizen, has a right to protection, safe passage out of that environment, back into our environment, where he will and can stand in front of the courts for the crime that he has been alleged to have committed. Matt, what is going on? What is your take on this? 
emergency button that is citizenship. Mm-hmm. God, ethics, duty, and citizenship, Fred. That's a hell of a hell of a discussion. I can see why both those cases have got you revved up, though. Those are those are pretty extreme, pretty egregious uh, examples of it. Good God. So the first first thought that I have on this topic, I, I'm certainly no scholar on citizenship, Fred, but something that speaks to me is that citizenship has evolved over the last sort of two or 300 years. Um, I think the first passports in, in the sort of modern sense were pieces of paper signed by the Queen to say that British citizens should be treated with respect by foreign governments or something. And since then, it's been kind of formalised. So, and ironically, the Queen doesn't have a passport because she doesn't need it. That's Did right, you know that's that? right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, like, that's, what, that's why that fact sticks in my head right like isn't that fascinating so it's a, a passport citizenship it's like this is this code of connection to your your place of origin it, it gives you rights associated with where you come from those are all very important makes a lot of sense but the idea has evolved over time as all ideas are want to do and so i think something that stands to me is that maybe citizenship is changing in the modern world and maybe that is because of the role of globalization So as we have a more interconnected global world, perhaps the role of individual state-based citizenship changes somewhat. And so perhaps if you have been able to fruitfully live in America for a decade, have a family, have children, perhaps you shouldn't be able to play the system such that you can get a cheaper medical bill, perhaps. I like this idea that the, the way we understand citizenship needs to change based on globalization and the ability to live elsewhere. In the past, I think political communities like states served as a necessary safety net to provide security and opportunity to people when you couldn't rely on living elsewhere overseas. Like if you were a, a citizen of the British Commonwealth and you were trying to live somewhere outside of the Commonwealth, there was a real present danger to you and it was hard to communicate with other Commonwealth countries. It was hard to verify your identification. So you needed documentation, all that kind of thing. Um, but I do wonder if things like that have changed and so the role of citizenship might change. In saying that, that's more a um, academic thought rather than a practical one. I would worry about the consequences of like blanketly saying that someone shouldn't be able to come back to Australia for medical care like that. Like in this circumstance, it does seem quite egregious to me, for especially with COVID. But when it comes to the situation in Afghanistan, that really... Um, interests me as well because there's real tangible consequences to the Australian government prioritizing getting that man out of Afghanistan right and I certainly agree with the arguments I totally buy the arguments that he should stand trial in Australia like that makes sense he's not been found guilty of his crime and so we can't be absolutely certain of what's happened but he has kind of it seems to me violated some of the social contract that we put around citizens by fleeing a country when he's on bail. And so if if duty arises from a relationship, if ethical duty arises from a relationship, well, he's already breached some of that relationship. So perhaps we have less of a duty to him than we might to other citizens. Perhaps we might have less of a duty to him than we do to other Afghanis who need to get out of the area because of the Taliban. And perhaps he shouldn't be prioritised over other people that we have assisted in the region. Because it sounds to me as if this person has made a very active choice to breach the law, escape to another country, choose a country perhaps that is a little bit unstable so that it's hard to extradite him out of there. Well, um, there's no extradition treaty, so yeah. he definitely can't be extradited. But yeah. So I do wonder, like, I, I, it feels as if there's a degree of like personal autonomy from this man where he's gotten himself in this situation against the wishes of our society in Australia and therefore perhaps our duty to him 
him is significantly less than it would be to any other citizen that might be around the world. Let, let me give you a places. third example. I want to give you a third one because this idea of citizenship for me is a two-edged sword and i don't believe i think citizenship is like pregnancy you either are or you're not now we know legally you can't revoke citizenship to allow someone to be stateless yeah because i asked that question last night i spoke to really wise counsel that's not an expert but understands ethics really really well and had this great conversation here's a third example an australian man of afghani heritage who legally migrated to Australia on a, a humanitarian visa as a refugee and was granted citizenship and has a wife and children in Australia, hmm. went back to Afghanistan because his mother was ill. Hmm. So Australian citizen has the distinction of being born in a minority tribe in the region that the current regime tend to persecute. Yep went overseas for a reason that we would all agree australian citizen at the time was allowed to travel overseas to see a sick relative yeah the regime has fallen he's currently in hiding okay so in afghanistan at the moment we have two citizens matt yeah one who came to us as a refugee yeah. through legal channels has been a part of community, has a wife and kids here and is in hiding. The other one who absconded from charges on a false passport yeah. and is now saying 10 to 15 years in an Australian prison is probably a better alternative than staying in Afghanistan. Who has the right to get on the plane first? Yeah. You're very clearly pulling apart this difference between um, rights and responsibilities, yeah? As a citizen, we have a right to certain things, but we also surely have a responsibility to certain things. Um, and it sounds as if the person who fled Australia has been not upholding their end of the responsibilities of citizenship, and therefore perhaps they have fewer rights as citizens. Now, I think in the, in the ideal world, I'd be very happy for them to also get on the plane. You know, it sounds right. The, the reasoning is correct but there are consequences to them getting on that plane those consequences are someone else doesn't get to australia and if that's the case then i think they should not be prioritized here's the issue though because i want to throw yeah. you a curveball because you're yeah. a smart person okay this is where i've landed with the issue i'll cut to the punchline because there's more to say but you cannot have two sets of rules with this yeah everybody that we've talked about has the right to be here yeah. I don't know if in the American scenario, the Australian government has an obligation because that individual has the means under circumstances to travel here and quarantine here. They can't get a flight here. I don't think the Australian government should be chartering a flight yeah, yeah. for people living in developed nations because of their personal economic circumstance. I, I don't think that's a citizenship issue because we should also say as well, the partner is a citizen of the country that they are in. Yeah, okay? yeah. Secondly, though, more importantly, the two examples in Afghanistan are absolutely uh, a minefield for me because my heart says, get this well-meaning refugee that went back to see his sick mum get that person out now. They're an Australian citizen. They've yep. done everything right. Yep. It's how my dad got here. Like, you've got to do the right thing. It could be my father. He could have gone back yep. to Italy. There was a regime change, which happened 54 times since World <laughs> War II, although it's a bloodless sort of thing. Get them back. But here's the issue. If we were not to allow the person with alleged criminal charges 
on a plane, mm -hmm. would we be by de facto condoning the possibility of capital punishment for someone that hasn't seen justice for a crime they may or may not have committed? Because we don't believe in capital punishment here, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, extremely weighty, Fred. And that's a, you, you've, you've framed the question very, very well there, I think. Um, for me, it's, it reveals the difference between theoretical ethics and practical ethics, I think. Like what I might think in general in this, this uh, thought experiment you've provided to me with practical examples is very, very different to what I actually want to see happen in the real world. Because while I think this escapee has rights and responsibilities, and I don't think they've fulfilled their responsibilities, I, don't, I also don't want to see them left in Afghanistan. And I think that wouldn't be ethical to do that. I think, as you say, to, to apply rules to countries that have grown, countries are no longer small communities that uh, get along with one another. They're 20 million, 30 million, 100 million strong. The only way to manage systems that large is to have simple blanket rules. And those rules fail. Those rules miss ethical nuance. They miss perhaps what even we feel to be correct. You know, we have, you have this sense of frustration on these uh, examples for it. And I think it's because our systems miss nuance. But systems have to be effective for all to allow such large communities to persist in anything remotely ethical, I think. Yeah. Where I think I landed with it, Matt, I think the lovely lady should have her healthy child in the good medical system in America where she's already had two healthy kids. Mm -hmm. I think that the Australian citizen that came here by way of refugee status and has started a life and participates with the family here should be aided in whatever way practical to come home. Mm -hmm. I think the individual that's been alleged of a crime, because there's another dynamic here and that uh, there's this part of me that says, I don't really care what happens to them they've kind of acknowledged their guilt from by absconding, right? It seems, it seems. However, the family of the victim have a right to see the accused in court. True. To see that person in a system where there is genuine justice for their loss. Mm -hmm. The best I can come up with in a pragmatic way is let the refugee that's an Australian citizen from Afghanistan come back on the plane in a seat and let the accused criminal come in wrapped in a sleeping bag taped to the wig. Somehow I knew you were going to end up there. Did you think I was going to end up no, there? Right? Matt, I don't want to disappoint you. That's the best I can do. You know? <laughs> but I will say this, Matt, and the reason why, all jokes aside, I think everybody gets to come back is because if the position was reversed and we were traveling, mm -hmm. yeah. we would expect the government, rightly or wrongly, to render assistance if we needed it. Now, Matt, I want to make this commitment to you and our listeners. In the event that you're ever overseas and something goes wrong, I will, and I'm going to make a Chuck Norris reference here, and I know he's only a meme to you young people, but if you look at his old movies, I will storm whatever bunker cage castle they're holding you in okay and i will personally retrieve you from any overseas hotspot you find <laughs> yourself in okay i'll jump on a plane i'll fly us out in a helicopter they will not hold you my friend your modern day rambo you uh, are a citizen of if i only knew and this is one particular <laughs> democracy where we take action into our own hands 
for those that know me in real life, I want you to imagine me running down a corridor to save Matt, taking several timeouts to catch my breath. You know? You've watched too many Westerns, Fred. I'm know? telling you, kicking in a door. Oh, that really hurt a bit. I thought that'd be a bit more satisfying. Come on, Matt, off we go. Mm. Is there a place to get a sandwich around here? Yeah, yeah. Right. Nice food nearby. <laughs> Matt, what a great episode. That one was a real deep dive into some stuff. We could talk about that for hours, but yeah. you can see why it messed with my head. I think I learned a lot from you today, actually. I know this is stuff that you play in. You love your ethics, you love your politics, you love your mm. stuff like that. I think we've done a great job with that thank you my friend no cheers i mean i'm trying to apply some of the rubbish i'm learning at uni so i also appreciate that uh, opportunity that was very interesting yeah when you say some of the rubbish you're learning at uni what you really mean is some of the rubbish you're learning via remote learning not leaving the house <laughs> that's right from my from my bedroom yes <laughs> i once i want to say i remember when open university started and people said it's not the same as real uni Guess what? Now it is. Now it is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all, guys. We'll see you again next week Cheers. on If I Only Knew. See ya. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment. And in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.